You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go. Time for another edition of Colt Chanero Chat, a Saturday afternoon pod. I'm Jeremy, joined by Robbie, and we are going to be discussing a whole host of things, Robbie, but most notably, Atletico's uh, scrappy, gutty 2-1 win over Cadiz on Friday night at the Wanda Metropolitano, a result that, if you can believe it, for the time being, takes Atletico up to third. How about that? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, the, the run continues. Yeah. <laughs> Four straight wins in La Liga, no kidding. Uh, this is Atletico's longest winning streak in La Liga in over a year. Unbeaten in five, a pretty good run of form entering a, a massive game Tuesday that we'll be previewing toward the end of the program. But uh, as far as the recent performances go, Robbie, th- this was not one to really write home about. Not a particularly memorable game or a, a fluid performance from Atletico, but this is the kind of game earlier this year where they played this badly they would have lost. What was the key to turning it around and, and getting the win and holding on for the win on Friday? Yeah, I, I think we, we we tend to kind of rewrite history sometimes and look back on on performances or, or, or seasons uh, or, or eras in general where the team was incredible all the time. Like Alex Ferguson, everyone thinks that they won every game four or five nil. They didn't, and neither <laughs> did Simeone. And neither did Simeone's best Atletico teams. There were these scrappy games where things uh, things didn't go exactly according to plan, and uh, but at the end of the day, they got the win. I think that uh, you just have to accept that that there are going to be games like this. But but uh, having said that, 
in terms of this actual game on its own, I think Atletico, and I think what we saw and what we'll get into now, is the fact that Simeone knew at half time, or he knew uh, that Koke on the right of midfield doesn't work. And I think that this was the last attempt, possibly, to get, um, to, to fit Koke into the team, and it just didn't work. Um, mm. And and I think at half time when they, he moved it, and, he, and not so much that Koke. Is a is a negative in general, but Marcus Llorente needs to start on the right of midfield, and it's as simple as that. I look back, uh, I've been, and I've been I've been actually writing about this in every game that Atletico struggled. Not 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 every single game, but in in the majority of games that I've looked at this season, the problem was that either Llorente was too central, he was playing at right back, or else uh, yeah, and and then occasionally. We coincided with that Koke was sitting as the pivot. And I think that Simeone realised that. And, and the reason I, I'm saying that is is because when he brought he put Marcus Llorente right midfield, Carrasco played it right back. Yeah. It, he, he he didn't care who was there. The, the, the point of that move was Marcus Llorente can't be there. He can do it. It doesn't mean he should do it. And I think that I think that Simeone is starting to realise that. And also it's no coincidence that Atletico were very, very erratic at the first half of the season when when uh, Llorente was playing a right back. He was missing through muscle injuries. He was struggling a little bit. He's back now, and it was no coincidence either that the goal came from that right hand side. Yep, and I think it's that's a very interesting point you brought up about the the strategic uh, decision, a tactical decision in the second half to kind of have Carrasco and Llorente uh, interchange and kind of hand off defensive duties to one another and the winning goal did come from that side with Llorente playing further forward that was a, a huge moment in the game when Simeone made that switch at halftime because it got Carrasco away from the left all three players on the left hand side had been booked in that first half uh, Reynildo, Carrasco and Rodrigo de Paul who ultimately scored the game winner um, so it was really important for Simeone to at least try to balance out the attack because that first half was, frankly, dire. Atletico <laughs> get the early goal from Joao Felix. Uh, Jeremias Ledesma pulls uh, a Gigi Donnarumma, gives away the ball in his own box, and Joao uh, Sigue on fire, as they would say <laughs> in Spain, Robbie. That's now five goals in his last seven games in all comps. Uh, best form he's been in since joining Atletico? Is it... Finally yeah. here, Simeone and Joao Felix are on the same wavelength? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I think that I think that what we've seen is or sorry, in, in previous decent spells, I think Joao Felix um it was a result of different circumstances and, and, and things like that. I think now, aside from the goal, I think now we're seeing Joao Felix in a more central role. He feels more central. He's picking up the ball in more in, in positions where he can do damage. That confidence is growing, and I think that um, I think that we're we're starting to see Atletico uh, reaping the reaping the rewards of playing Joe Felix regularly in a central position. He's running more and he's pressing more too, and hard work you you reap the rewards from that, as Simeone is fond of saying. And this was this was kind of a gift from Ledesma, but without uh, Joao's running and his awareness, maybe nothing comes of this. Maybe the pass sails harmlessly over the boundary or, or through his legs, uh, but it was, and then he, he hopped all over this pass and deposited 
deposited it cleanly into the net. Uh, he loves scoring early goals, Robbie. I don't know if this is really uh, thematic or not, but he has scored several goals uh, inside the first 10 minutes uh, in the last few months. Uh, the opener against Granada, the opener against Betis, the opener against Man United, this one on Friday. Th- you think there's anything to that? I, d- I definitely think there is. And, and and we said this before. We were talking about how Atletico tend to start the game well. Uh, and, and even this is even during their worst spells. They'd always start the game really well. To be to be ten minutes at the start of the first half and the second half, when they would be look like a team that was really uh, aggressive on the ball and trying to make something happen. And and the problems came when a team would figure them out, and then just Atletico would go into their shell, and then you, you, you turn it into kind of a war of attrition, and they just wouldn't know how to break you down. And and we saw that regularly. Whereas now Atletico are still starting well, but now they've got you know Felix on form, and that's uh, uh, and and, they're, and again they're they're reaping the rewards from from his excellent goal uh, finishing ability. So they get the goal inside the first three minutes. It's it's looking pretty good. Atletico won the past three meetings with Cadiz. Hopefully. Uh, from their perspective, sailing to a victory here with no injuries, no controversy, no undue stress, right? Wrong. <laughs> the rest of the first half, Cadiz uh, are really all over Atletico. And you got to give Sergio uh, and the the kind of the team he selected a lot of credit. Uh, their structure was really, really good for most of this game. Their pressing was intense, insistent, and really intelligent. Uh, just the ability to get a foot into a passing lane or step in the middle of a, of a passing lane uh, and win the ball absolutely critical and Atletico could not get going the weather didn't help it was really wet and rainy at the Wanda Metropolitano on Friday but this the structure was really good from Cadiz and they ultimately get an equalizer just before halftime but you mentioned Koke earlier and I do want to talk about uh, Koke's fit in this team this year Uh, he comes back after missing three games immediately back into the 11 and it's a DePaul Herrera Koke midfield three Kind of, they're just all over it. They just waltz right through this midfield time and time again in the first half and continue to apply pressure on Old Black's goal, which ultimately the reward is the Negretto header uh, on the stroke of halftime. Uh, Koke completed 16 passes in his 45 minutes on Friday, Robbie. The progressive distance on these 16 passes, 39 yards. The passing is too slow. It's too lateral. It doesn't progress the play. And... Koke is not strong enough defensively to cover for Llorente on the right-hand side. So what does Simeone do? What does he do, what does he do with him? I think Koke is, is finished in this version of Simeone's Atletico. I think that, and I, and I would worry for Koke's future in general, like, uh, because he is, the, the game is played now in transition, and that's a, it's a huge part of how Atletico Madrid build. And... Um, uh, with Llorente down the right and has been even since when Trippier was there that it was so important down that right hand side it's basically how they won La Liga last year that that kind of that those overlaps and Llorente powering into the into the in, into the into the final third and I think the Koke the, the problem isn't so much yeah the, the, we've spoken that ad nauseum about his passing it's too it's too safe but it's not even it's not that he what you lose what you're losing with the passing it's more um as you said defensively and, and for example the cross uh, for Negredo's goal you can, you might say oh well what what's he supposed to do what was your ente do the problem to, to begin with is that your ente would have been in a in a in a more 
uh, would have covered more ground so he wouldn't have even had to make a sprint to close that down I think and then also when you're getting out in transition Koke offers nothing down that right hand side whereas when your end is there at least you can look and, and, and pop the ball into space and he'll uh, drive onto it and, and maybe pick it up or at least put the put the defender under pressure and win it even give away a free or win a, win a corner or win a throw and then it's a game of t- territory like and, and you can at least start to plan from there whereas a Koke the pass is non so all of a sudden Rodrigo de Paul or, or um, Herrera gets the ball he looks out to his right sees no it's not on I have to turn around you're easier to press you're more predictable and I think that that's what you're losing when your end is not there and I think that that's exactly what Simeone why Simeone needs to get him there um, and that's why he played Carrasco behind him at times um, on Friday night because Carrasco excellent dribbler great um, at progressing the ball but not not pure power Marcus Llorente is he will go through you if he has to in order to kind of get on the end of that ball he, he he's just breathing down the defenders necks like tripping them up and and, and like it's um, <laughs> it must it must be a nightmare to play against because he is really powerful and um if he gets a step on you he's gone and that's just conditions everything about how you play you have to take an extra step back so you're so the defender isn't as um isn't ready to join into transition and and you you just have to be so wary of that and I think that we saw too, like given the fact that Koke was and Herrera and Rodrigo de Paul were available, and I think that um, if this happened six months ago or, or, or I don't know how many months ago, a few months ago, it would have been Koke, uh, Herrera, uh, Rodrigo de Paul would have been on the right, Llorente would have been on a right back. And it would have been Coca Herrera. Instead, he realizes Rodrigo de Paul has to be central, and we saw him getting the goal um, in that in that more central role. Uh, and Coca got kind of shifted out to the side, and it was just like a. I think I think Simeone is kind of torn on this one because I mean he's trying to obviously be as successful as he possibly can with this team given what, what's left to play for this season and he's also trying to be as loyal as he can to, to a player who has who has who has been with him through it all uh, mm-hmm. since he got there and and it's difficult you know and Simeone is 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 loyal to to his players in in that sense, and he 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 thinks a lot about family and uh, and uh, and um, he talks about that a lot and kind of sticking with guys and, and and trusting them and stuff. And I just think that Koke wants to do it, and he would do anything that Simeone asks him. It's just that he physically can't offer what offer um offer Simeone what he needs right now. So yeah, look, I mean, we we could we could um. It, it, the team could be named at the week and in the middle of the week now for United and Koke could be centre and I could be I could look very very stupid but I just t- get the sense that he was accommodating Koke a little bit on, on Friday night it didn't work out and he got hooked at half time really really not a good look and, 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 and yeah like it also doesn't really even if it's not Koke's fault the fact that it was Koke's return after uh, um, and, and, and Atletico were in the best run their season and during this run of form, that 45 minutes when Koke was on the field was the worst 45 minutes of that spell. Yep. He, t- he takes him off at halftime, immediately Atletico improve. Uh, Ren and Lodi is going uh, flying down the down the left, and um, uh, Llorente and Carrasco are, are, are bombing up the right. And, uh, yeah, I just think that it even, even if 
we're all wrong and and uh, Koke wasn't a problem. It certainly looks that way, you know, and he's going to get fingered for the for the crime. And Koke is 30 years old now uh, and he's played more football than most 30-year-olds uh, have, have played because he's just been so ever-present over the past decade for Simeone, uh, has played whenever he's been available, he's been selected and, and started and played heavy minutes, providing defensive cover early in her, earlier in his career. He was one of the top assist providers in the country. So it's tough. And I think this fear is a few years in the making that Koke would not age particularly gracefully. And we've seen this really from the first weekend of the season. Koke has just not been at the races pretty much since the Euros. So I don't, I don't really know what the solution is here. Atletico are going to have to really explore this in the market. And Simeone, assuming he is the coach again next year, which I believe he will be, it's going to be difficult to face Koke out, but Atletico are playing significantly better without him. And Koke is his guy. Like He's one of the only two players alongside Jose Jimenez uh, that was on both title-winning teams in 2014 and last year. But no, I don't think there's really any doubt that Atletico immediately improved when Koke came off. Uh, the midfield was just so much instability when he was out there trying to accommodate him. And kind of just really enjoyed it in the first half. They were the better team, and they could have been a man up at halftime, Robbie, if uh, the Reynaldo red card had stood. Did you think this was a red card when it was initially uh, shown by Gonzalez yeah, I Fuertes? That's a, yeah, that's, I, I think that's a red card. You can't dive in with your two feet like that. No, no he didn't get him. Um, he didn't get the man, uh, and, and, and I understand that, and that's maybe why the referee turned it over, but, like... You're, you're diving in like, like you, you can't dive in with your two feet like that your two feet were off the ground you're launching yourself into a tackle and it's 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 the players it's the tackler's uh, job to, to to make sure you're in control at all times and he wasn't he absolutely wasn't and I cannot believe that the referee overturned it in the age of VAR like it just like uh, we, we I, I see, I've seen this with Ronaldo or Ronaldo <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he really got sent off last night and he scored a hat-trick tonight yeah. what a man <laughs> but um, no no. I, I, I've seen this with him and, his, and not just with his tackling his positioning and his um, he has one or two of these a game that, where he just kind of loses his kinda head kind of loses and, his and, head yeah he's really aggressive yeah, which is fine, absolutely, perfectly fine when it works. And and Simeone will probably be patting him on the back on on um, yeah <laughs> uh, tonight, saying look, well done, but just calm down a small bit maybe. And because even even his teammates are kind of, and you know it's bad. Like these guys are professionals, and they know how how body language can be interpreted, and they know they 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 know that there's cameras everywhere around the stadiums, and they tend to watch what they're saying to each other and to and 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 they were like. You could you could see that they were telling Ronaldo like Ronaldo like relax will you please just calm down and you know it kind of he was walking with his head down and and like I was like this guy's head is completely gone here and uh, yeah that was just the first half so um and and, and sorry and and then straight after that he jumped into another tackle and even Simeone was like oh my god man begging to get doing? sent off here because he's just been booked yeah and he was pointing at the ball like I got the ball I got the ball and I was like. Man, do you realise how lucky you are? And now he, in fairness to him, he did get the ball in the in the second tackle, like, and there was no problem with that. It was just really risky. You see guys on yellows, like soft yellows, and they're being careful. And this guy was after getting, 
so lucky with the red and the next ball or the next like a couple of minutes later he just launched himself again and it's like oh my god get to have it was weird weird it's kind of weird or it's it's um yeah weird maybe not fun i don't know if the fun is the word but it is really fascinating watching like this guy you're you're waiting for the ball to get to him and you're like oh what's he gonna do like what's he gonna do what's he gonna do and i, I kind of do enjoy watching this like oh like and i was wondering is he, is he going to make it to half time is, is he and it was kind of like a little um a little subplot within the within the first half once he did that i was like his head's gone and i was watching his body language i was watching him everything he was doing then i was like what's he gonna do next but uh yeah he survived it and that's why Simeone signed him, and he obviously saw those traits in him and, and likes them. But you're playing with fire there too, yeah. you know. Yeah, Atletico's defense needs this aggression. They need this physicality and this boldness that they've been lacking all year, really. And Reynaldo has that uh, in large supply, which is that's the <laughs> the positive. The negative, the bad news is that he's lost his head. Like, he could have been half a dozen fouls in this game, Robbie. He could have been sent off in the second half just as easily. And for me, this, this is a challenging one, I think, because it was raining and because it was wet. And I on one of the replays, it looked like Renildo slipped. It looked like his left leg buckled a bit. And okay. it, it made it look like he jumped into Ruben Alcaraz. Uh, but that being said, it's still two-footed. He still goes studs up. And if it wasn't so wet and rainy, it would have been a red. Uh, but I think what saved him is is the slip mm. or the slippery conditions. But even then, it was a dangerous tackle, and he had six of these in, six fouls in the game, and he could have been sent off anyway. I'm surprised he lasted all 90 minutes. But we talked about this a couple times since he signed. He's really important for Atletico's defense now, and it's happened very quickly because he's one of the few players in this defense that will make that will take these kind of gambles, that will take these kind of risks, and. More often than not, he's come out on the winning end of them. Yeah, and 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 if Simeone had his way, every one of his players would have that would have that trait and would have that um, would would be able to defend like him because he is quite solid and and, and he is strong. But the problem is, uh, yeah, you, you you can't. And and this is this is where we were talking. Like you look at a, a guy like Lucas Hernandez, who's who's uh, amazing going up the field and can also defend he's got a, he's got really good strength and and powerful runner uh, and yeah likewise with Juan Fran who, who was really really who was kind of who was a winger turned into a fullback or and he he and but he could he could really really defend uh, and this is the kind of balance that Simeone has been looking for someone who can who can go forward but who can also or sorry someone who can defend first i think is his thing but then but then can offer something going forward, um, and for for ages he's he's been he's been like Renan Lodi would be the flip side of that where he's excellent and he's he offers way more going forward, defending really really dodgy, um, and yeah I think that. Uh, the same with Mario Hermoso, who who's not really a left back, and he tried to kind of turn him into a guy who could defend, but then but then it just didn't work because you're moving out of position. But Reynaldo seems to have that perfect blend of defend for probably he's probably seventy percent defend, thirty percent go, going forward and providing something going forward. But uh, you, yeah, you just said uh, the good news is he's got some excellent skills and tactic traits, and he's strong. The bad news is the man is has lost his head maybe he's gone insane <laughs> i don't know if they those two kind of balance each other out for it but uh yeah yeah it's uh he's he's definitely a diego simeone style player yeah i think at some point in these next dozen games or so the, the number of games that let he have left this season he will get sent off or something like that yeah 
the the balance is going to tip the other direction yeah. for him. And it's- <laughs> you can probably take that to the bank. Uh, and Lodi had another really positive performance on Friday, Robbie. Comes in for Koke at halftime and really does do a job defensively. He really does get stuck in, in the tackle. Um, made a few interceptions as well. Injury scare for him toward the end of the game, but then all of Atletico's players seem to be dropping like flies at the moment. That Reynildo-Lodi combination on the left, I really think there's something there. And I'm not sure what it's going to mean for Carrasco or Tomalema uh, for the rest of the season into next season if both players stay. But I really think there, there's something here. Reynildo has that 70-30 defense to attack split. Lodi has it the other way. And Atletico have just looked much better with Lodi. And you wrote a column on this a couple weeks ago. They just look so much better with Lodi free to bound up and down the left flank. Yeah, and you have to kind of be careful to, not to write it too quickly. And obviously, uh, we, we have to um, say what we see. But at the same time, uh, you're kind of worried, like, is this just going to collapse now? And he's just not going to do it. But definitely, he looks like a renewed... Um, he's just, he looks like he's got a renewed energy about him. And, and he's... Uh, yeah, when when he doesn't have that defensive responsibility, he tends to really get forward, and and he, he's a flyer down that left wing, and yeah, definitely more of a left winger than than uh, uh, than a left back, just a, a traditional left back for sure. Even just physically look, looking at him, like he doesn't really kind of strike you as a as a Simeone style left back. Like, um, so yeah, he, he looked good, and and he's a great option there. But uh, and then he's probably going to have to play there now at uh, the Champions League because Carrasco's out injured. But uh, yeah, the um, the yeah, you said oh yeah, Thomas Lamar. I think I think in in reality, and I really like Lamar, and I I, I really really do like him. I think he offers loads. But in reality, a fully functioning Atletico Madrid team playing the way that. Um, the, the way that Simeone wants him to play, Lamar probably doesn't make it. I would say because he's he, he wants width. He wants width on in 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 the on the on the left and 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 in reality, the only place where he's playing is on the left, and he wants to come inside and play more as kind of like a free eight maybe. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, like in reality, he's he's not going to do offer enough. Uh, f- uh, defensively, physically, to play centrally, uh, like like ideally, Simeone has Rodrigo de Paul there. Thomas Lamar and Rodrigo de Paul are completely different players. Um, like and and Rodrigo de Paul, this is why he wanted him because he wants him to play in that, or he, he this is his best position in that kind of a, a free eight position, uh, and he just absolutely pile drives into the box. But can also mix it in the middle and 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 in in the in the trenches like, so and and Lamar doesn't do that. So he's only ever going to really have a spot in a fully functioning team at left midfield. And he's not. He doesn't play wide enough. He doesn't beat men enough. He doesn't. He's not that kind of a player. And Lodi is perfect for that. And I guess the only other position. And we've seen this. And this is actually great. So you've got your four four two. Or you, sorry, you've got your goalie. You've got your forward to back, and you've got your four in midfield. The four in midfield is. Um, Carrasco slash Lodi, uh, Herrera, Condogbia, uh, and and or or, or De Paul and and Llorente. That's pretty much fine. And then in attack, as we saw last night, and it didn't really work. Griezmann, I think, is going to probably have to play a couple of games to get back up to speed. But you could see Joe Felix and Griezmann, or you could play Correa and and, and Joe Felix. You can play. Um, 
Suarez maybe and Joe Felix you can play a, a variety of different uh, a different mixtures there maybe Lamar has a position as kind of a second striker in that in that kind of a setup uh, but but yeah in a fully functioning team I think Lamar and this is kind of why he didn't he didn't fit in at the start is because you were kind of squeezing him into a position where he didn't really fit so uh, yeah I, I, I think that Lamar is probably the odd man out here um, but 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 an, an excellent option off the bench and an excellent guy who can kind of switch it up and keep the ball beat a man um, and and progress the ball when when you have a lead or when you need to kind of uh, change your pace uh, given the game state he's Probably Atletico's most creative midfielder too, which is which makes this conversation super interesting. Like Lema has nearly five shot creating actions per ninety in La Liga this season, which is a an outrageous amount. Part of why he was so good last season and has been sensational for a good chunk of this season was because he was playing that role in the three five two. Atletico found the way to insert that extra midfielder by changing formations, and that's what's gotten the best out of Lema. But now we see Atletico really functioning well in this modified 4-4-2. Lema's not exactly a winger. Uh, when he played there in his debut season at Atletico, it didn't really go well because he's he's too wide. He shunts it out wide. He can't cut into the middle to come inside it and and dictate play and, and play passes forward. So it's a it, possibly a conundrum, but I think Simeone will value having this kind of headache. And Lema's close to renewing, so he has no desire to leave. And he's fought for his place once before. He's going to have to do it again. Yeah, and I, and I think I think uh, there's more chances of him playing once Atletico get an elite number five. Like if Thomas Partey was still there, if Rodri was still there, I think you do probably see. Uh, and and this is kind of I guess maybe what what Simeone was looking towards was kind of more of a four three three with with a, with a, with one anchor and then two men kind of. Uh, running up and down the problem is he he doesn't have that guy and Condogbia has been excellent for Atletico but he's not Thomas Partey and he's not um, Rodri so he's had to kind of sacrifice uh, Herrera or, or he, he needs to peep, he needs the, the, the midfielders to tuck in to tuck in beside the, the uh, Condogbia or whoever he's, he, he needs to play as, as, the, as that anchor and unfortunately Lamar just kind of uh, he, he, Rodrigo de Paul does a better job, and so does a Hector Herrera in, in there in that position. Well, Rodrigo de Paul got the winner on Friday, Robbie. His first La Liga goal for Atletico since returning to Spain. He got one when he played at Valencia before leaving for Italy. And this was far and away Atletico's best move of the entire game. Uh, and Correa and Luis Suarez were both involved in it. It was a 1 2 down the right with Correa and Llorente. Ball comes into the box from Llorente. Suarez with a very clever layoff for Correa to attempt the shot. Ledesma saves it. Nobody tracks DePaul sprinting into the box, and he loops the ball in for the goal. That was pretty. And that that's probably something Simeone had drawn up before the season, but for a whole host of reasons, we didn't see it until March 11th with 11 games to go. Uh, for DePaul, is that possibly a transformational moment for him? Because we've talked a lot this season about uh, underperformance uh, from the most expensive signing in all of Spain last summer. Could this be a, a moment that saves his season and potentially his Atletico career? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I don't I don't know if there was ever. I think there was a kind of an understanding there that that Rodrigo de Paul's struggles were um, Atletico Madrid struggles first and foremost, rather than him just not. Uh, playing well and, and in fairness to him he just kept his head down and just kept on working and um, the, the, the problem was he was just being played out of position and then 
he was having to uh, plug holes and uh, like when Llorente had to go back and Rodrigo de Paul's outright I'd say this is what Simeone had planned for him and this is like at the start of the season when we interviewed uh, or when, sorry, when I talked to Conor Clancy um, the uh, Serie A journalist about mm. it he said that his, his best position is in the central role maybe a number 10 kind of uh, driving into the box arriving late and um the he we didn't see that i mean i i you know the way you have kind of you have kind of memories of a season i don't actually think i can recall one of rodrigo de paul picking up the ball in the box or driving into the box taking a shot and yeah he's just had to sacrifice for the greater good with a let go so i think there was always that understanding that this problem here isn't him um, so yeah you would hope that that is the case and, and then uh, with Llorente out in the right it, it, and, and, and Rodrigo de Paul in the centre it just gives you another dimension it makes you much harder to defend against it makes you more unpredictable it, it gives you obviously more production from different places other than just Joe Felix and, or whoever it happens to be um, and yeah I think that, that, that this is his role and this is where he feels most comfortable and something else that's giving Atletico options right now, Robbie, as Dermot Corrigan wrote in The Athletic this morning, uh, is that Luis Suarez is practically accepting his role on the bench. Uh, he's entered as a substitute this season 14 times. Uh, he's never even come close to that number of substitute appearances. Uh, it's really weird to see this. Luis <laughs> Suarez is one of the greatest strikers of this generation, one of the greatest strikers ever, and he's coming in off the bench uh, as he's as he enters the the uh, the end of his career, the tail end of his career, uh, Suarez surely can't be happy about this. But his accepting it, do you think it's having kind of a knock on effect? Yeah, I think I think the the easiest way to convince a guy that he or to, to for a guy to accept that he shouldn't be playing is when you're winning without him. And 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 and, and the problem is when 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 it's when everything is going bad and everyone thinks they should be playing and everyone thinks they're the solution and and then they get angry because they're not playing and they lose and then there's frustration when you're winning everything just seems easier like and, and we see, we saw that with atletico and we, we even 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 on the podcast everything was negative like we were being negative we were giving out and complaining about simeone and now oh, why why are they so bad and where and, and it just felt like there was reports coming out and everything was so negative and even their body language and when, when you get a couple of wins it's it's so important to 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 uh to, to just settle things down and to like there's so much noise around the football team and there's so much um uh there's so much there's so much at stake that that a run of bad wins can just start to compound and the problems start to compound and then every single thing becomes an issue and and even the things that aren't an issue become an issue and i think that uh, yes but suarez not playing no one's even talking about it because Atletico are doing well. Now, if you if Atletico weren't doing well and Suarez still wasn't playing, you'd have all sorts of articles being written, you'd have all sorts of questions being put to Simeone, why isn't Suarez playing and stuff like that. But when you're winning, things just seem easier. And um, I think that, that Suarez... Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I have absolutely no idea what's being said to him. But... Um, he is just a competitive guy, and I think a lot of the times with, with ultra competitive people, um, and and can, and 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 this is something that 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 he he probably should have got fixed, but it's just he couldn't help it. And um, when he's when he's like, 
they'd often cut to him on the bench and he'd be like upset and looking upset I don't think that's necessarily ne- that, that that can be I know it's very coach coach speak to say this but like that's what you kind of want to see that's a good sign rather than guys sitting on the bench having a laugh saying like oh yeah sure like I mean well, I didn't really care whether I played or not you know and that's what stood stood uh, that's what turned Luis Suarez into as you said one of the best strikers ever mm-hmm. like he was he was just incredible and not even okay he was technically excellent and he had all the all the skills but his attitude and he like he would put the fear of god into defenders and just what what a player and like he was sensational um, and maybe he just accepts that look i've gone i've gone a year too far here i've, I've just pushed my body just a year too far and i just can't get around the field anymore and like uh, yeah maybe and I'm sorry, just just my final point on that is that uh, the tactics, and we spoke about them uh, at length for when they weren't working, we were like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you playing Suarez when you're trying to do this? Or right. what, what even are they trying to do? Whereas now I feel like you can at least see what Simeone is trying to do. And then if, if we can see it, obviously Simeone does have a better picture of what he's trying to do. And then he can translate that and, and, and explain that to Suarez and say, look, for what I'm trying to do, you, you you can't right now do it. And you have to accept it because you've explained it to me. Whereas when you're not playing with any kind of a coherent style, Suarez is like, yeah, but why? Like, why? I, I don't, that's not a good enough explanation. You haven't given me a good enough explanation. Like, <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, I think I think that when you're winning and when you're playing a coherent style, it, it's really hard for anyone to say anything uh, negative. And, and I think that Atletico have, have been allowed to breed a, a, a little bit in the last couple of weeks with this decent run. And he looked pretty physically fit on Friday. A, a bunch yeah. of running uh, for well, for Suarez's uh, for for his by his standards, I suppose. At 35, coming off a host of knee problems and and ankle problems and just age aging it, it, father time comes for everybody but Suarez showed a lot of intent on Friday uh, eight pressing attempts in 31 minutes and a, a critical role in the eventual winning goal with that layoff to Correa I think he's got one more big moment in him at some point this season he's going to have another moment to shine and he's going to score a big goal or set up a huge goal uh, it, it would be tough to see Suarez's Atletico career brief though it may be end on on a whimper and I don't think really anyone wants to see that but it's obvious now that this is the end for Suarez at Atletico and probably in La Liga I don't know we, there was a rumor that Sevilla had, had called after him I, I can't imagine another top flight not top flight but another top drawer team in Primera giving him a shot next year just he he can still score but it takes a very specific style and very specific uh, players and rhythm to get the best out of him at this point in his career yeah, and what made him so special, that kind of uh, unpredictability, is also what, uh, and he, yeah, his, his specialness was was his variety of, uh, and in his diff- the different ways he could beat you, whereas whereas uh, now you, you can't just plug and play him in, in as a number nine, he's got a very uh, specific way he likes to play and receive the ball and get the ball, and you know, I mean, like he's not quite a target man, um, but yeah, like another guy who just look, and, and he's had a, a highly successful career, um, unbelievably successful career, yeah. Uh, so he, he probably won't mind as much, but uh, he's another guy who the game, who the game just doesn't 
and sorry, that, that's not because he did press at one stage. It's just he's at the age now where the pressing that's required of a, of a top flight striker is is um, he just can't do it anymore. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know who who would sign him. It would have to be a very kind of specific role or a, or a really well set up team, or he'd have to accept maybe coming on for thirty minutes to. And he linked play quite well as well last night. I think he mm-hmm. he, he did well, and he can do that. And he, he's he's got excellent vision, and he's got a excellent. Um, he, he, yeah, he can, he can. He got a lovely touch and good technique, so he can, he can offer that. And once he accepts that role, I think he can still offer something for the next eleven or twelve games. But yeah, it does look like it's the end for sure. Yeah, he, he's far from a useless forward, but it takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a lot of other things needing to happen to get to get the best out of him to properly get the best out of the remaining time in his career. Ultimately, Atletico did hang on for the win, but uh, there was drama, of course, uh, in the final 20 minutes or so. Uh, Jose Jimenez had to make a goal line clearance from Luis Hernandez with Oblak caught completely out of the net. Uh, Oblak's form is, is still not at all convincing. He doesn't look really remotely confident, Robbie, and we'll have to see what happens with him over the summer because his contract's about to end. Uh, he's got a year left, a little more than a year left on his contract, and no real news as to... Uh, a renewal. So this is probably getting to the end of Oblak's Atletico career too, but for an entirely different reason. Jimenez makes that goal line clearance to keep it 2-1. Javi Serrano then gets sent off. Uh, th- to me, this was never a red card. This was a makeup call from Gonzalez Fuertes. Uh, Serrano goes in on, on Alex Fernandez. It's a reckless challenge, uh, but it's it's one-footed. Studs were down, uh, and I think this was a, a pretty clear makeup call. The Metropolitano goes insane <laughs> in entering stoppage time, but Atletico do hang on and get the win. Uh, weird decision to send off a 19-year-old kid for that. Yeah, I think I think he probably um, he probably suffered from the the fact that he went in. It, it, it felt like it was one of those ones where it just felt like he had lost control. Um, totally, he had lost. Uh, as as in like it, it was um i i think i think it was uh, like a let it go trying to hang on to the lead and it just felt like javi serrano uh, he kind of dived in for the first tackle um and i'm just going to pull it up here and watch it again because he kind of jumps in in the first tackle and then uh, for the for the for the second one then he goes in and the player goes down and it, it, it probably looks like he had completely lost control of what he was trying to do and uh, I think that's why he suffered rather than if that was just a standalone tackle like yeah yeah like when you when you look at that back and he went over the ball to, to actually touch it the first time he, he that's a bad touch and the referee is looking going what's this guy gonna do and then he just absolutely steamrolls into Alex Fernandez with his foot up and it's like that's a red card. Not mm. the, it's not just the tackle. It's what happened before that and him being headless then going in like that. I think that's probably why he got the red card. And I guess that makes sense there, yeah. Like, if you look back at that first... I don't even know what you call it. What is that? He, he's ki- he's kind of kicking He's kicking the ball. He's, he's trying to clear it, but follows through. It, it's not really... It's not hand. clean tackling form. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah, that, that first one I mean, yeah. And yeah. Then the second one, he chases it down. You can see it a mile away. Alex Fernandez is, and and, and, and you can see it a mile away then that this guy is going to do something. And then referees, and then once the red card comes out, you're, you're it's not going to get overturned. Like, so, no, because it already yeah, had been probably, once. 
probably a little bit unlucky, I would say, yes. But uh, again, something you just have to learn from, I guess, as a 19-year-old. I think that's a, that's a fair point, too, is that it was the second tackling attempt in succession. If it had been an isolated incident, it would have been much less justifiable. But yeah, as you said, uh, Serrano had just attempted a tackle mere seconds earlier that went unpunished. So in, in the heat of the moment, the referee's thinking, yeah, I've already had one red card uh, downgraded to a yellow this time. This time it's going to be harder to... I got to make it a, a big decision. I have to be really decisive here. And yeah, I think it, it's a fair point because the two actions were so close together. Uh, but even still, it was uh, Atletico fans and, and players are going to continue complaining about the officiating. And uh, Sergio, the Cadiz coach, was very critical after the game, uh, saying the, the Gonzalez Fuertes was not balanced. And it, it takes, a, I think Sam Leverage wrote this in our Three Things column earlier today. It takes a special kind of referee to piss both teams off so significantly yeah yeah um yeah i think that's uh, that's just refereeing in la liga it, yeah. it can be so it can be so finicky and it can be so uh but i also think that that's the player's fault as well they're diving around and jumping around on the ground from the very 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 first moment and i think that that's uh it's it's so hard for a referee. It's it's it's. I, I genuinely think it's an impossible job for a referee in La Liga. There's diving, there's 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 dives and there's there's jumping around. There's trying to get players in trouble. There's no there's no like I genuinely don't know one good faith player that's like not looking constantly for an edge, which is fair enough. I just think it's it's impossible. It's impossible for referees in, in La Liga. It's impossible for referees in general, but in La Liga especially hard. And then every single little thing, polemica, 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 mm-hmm. and it's just like the league, the media feeds off this. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a if there's an appetite to fix it either because because it's like this is just kind of ingrained in how it's almost accepted that this is how it's played so it's uh yeah and, and that's what you say when, when a referee pisses off both teams it's because he's just trying to not lose control and these guys if they're given an inch they'll, they'll just completely they can run and the game turns into a farce at that point and uh yeah it's impossible yeah the polemica uh El Chiringuito dedicates hours per week to discussing the polemica, uh, the polemicas, Robbie. Yeah, um, like, like what? What literally? What would they do if there was no, if there was no, um, if there was no polemicas? Like, <laughs> well, well, we know what they do. They'd invent them anyway. Right. So like, it's it's impossible. Even invent. the stuff that's kind of look. I, I've spoken to you about this in the past. I'm kind of like, look, if I can understand it, fair. If it, if it makes some sense, and look, you can. Uh, but but uh, but the problem is when when they make census calls, I understand. But when you can understand why a referee would w- would do something, and look, we, we like what do they call it? The narcissism of small differences. Like I mean, it's not. I'm not going to fight mm. with you over the smallest thing. It's just you know we're never going to absolutely completely agree on this. So let's just leave it. But if I can see that the referee is trying to, but the problem is accumulation of errors and kind of not letting the game flow and stopping the game. And I think that's down to the players too. And, um, and, 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 and I've always said this, the only guy, the only referee with a little bit of personality in the Liga is the one guy who everyone laughs at, and that's Matteo Laws. That's right. I'd watch him. He's he's an excellent referee, and there's there's a reason why he gets the biggest games in world football because he does have a personality and he does kind of interpret it. Because at the end of the day, the people are like, oh, it should be black and white. It can never be black and white because there's humans at it involved and they're trying to interpret it constantly at 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 an elite 
level <laughs> like with players moving so fast so it's literally impossible for it to be black and white and there's million different uh, ways a ball can be handled in the area and stuff like that and yeah it's just uh, it's, it's quite tiring really and as you said it genuinely is a big issue that players in in spain in la liga go down very easy there's a lot of diving a lot of flopping a lot of light contact engineered for this very reason to try to engineer a response from the referee a, a red card a yellow card some other uh kind of admonition and the balls in play in La Liga only 53 54 minutes a game and it's among the lowest total uh, in the the big leagues in Europe I think it's the lowest total among the top five leagues so that's got to be saw one way or another there has to be a solution forthcoming there uh, because it it doesn't strike me as sustainable there are controversies every single week uh, whether they are a there is no you know black and white there's always a gray area there always will be that's kind of the point Uh, it's there, there are complaints every single week, though, and it just there's something has to be overhauled at some level mm. of the game by the federation. And and it's frustrating as well because if that if that was the way they were and they just couldn't take uh, take contact and they couldn't they were just weaker literally than the opposition that'd be fair enough but they go out in Europe then and they can mix it they absolutely can they completely change their game they know I'm not going to get a free for this so I'm not going to fall over whereas in La Liga they're falling over and rolling around and they wouldn't do that in in in, um, in, uh, in Europe and the other thing is just finally on this is that like if you were watching Sevilla and West Ham the other day and Nasiri went down mm-hmm. and uh, Declan Rice went to pick him up off the ground like get up like you know and uh, it's the kind of thing where you you would never do that in Spain because it's like I know he's tricking me he knows he's tricking me the referee knows he's tricking me but that's the way it is whereas Declan Rice was like get up like have some self-respect lying on the ground like there's nothing wrong with you and and it's the kind of thing. It's kind of amateur and it's kind of funny, but it's it's like it's just a, a, a it's uh, it's just a quick snapshot into how these players or how the two different leagues are are are, are played. And okay, I'm not, I'm not saying the Premier League is perfect by any stretch, and there is diving and there is play acting and stuff like that. But this 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 rolling around the ground after five minutes and there's no actual reason other than literally get the other guy in trouble. It, like I can understand time wasting and that that's a, a pretty decent strategy the point is five minutes into the game when you're rolling around trying to get someone sent off or trying to get an advantage or trying to turn the referee against or trying to get get it to the point where the referee feels like he owes you something or something like that it's just like it's just uh yeah, it's not very nice very 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 cynical approach to the game and yeah like you said it has to be fixed but i genuinely don't think that they even see that there's it, there's nothing wrong with it but it's it's just and, and aside from it being cynical it's just not really enjoyable to watch either like is it no not for me and not for you either <laughs> i'd imagine well in europe this week robbie atletico are traveling to old trafford to face man united the second leg of their champions league round of 16 tie let's shift gears and talk about that now uh, the biggest game of atletico's season without much question united three two winners over tottenham on saturday and atleti's old nemesis at it again a hat trick from cristiano ronaldo uh in well, he scored it in 70 minutes uh with assists from fred Jaden sancho and alex tell has three different players assisting his hat trick goals uh, he, he's gearing up to welcome atletico to uh, old trafford will atletico be ready to pocket him on tuesday yeah i'm not sure it's um 
I think there's a kind of a feeling, I'd already watched United enough, I've seen them a bit in that, but but I do think that there's a general feeling around some of the guys who I who I read and listen to, um, that 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 uh, Man United are slowly starting to adapt adapt to to Ragnick's what he's trying to do, um, now how they were they were deplorable basically against Atletico in in two weeks ago, so uh, it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago, so I don't know yeah. how much it could have changed, um, it will be it'll probably suit Atletico again given the fact that they won't want the ball and United will want the ball and so so it'll suit Atletico in that sense but it's, 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 it's a game that literally could go either way I wouldn't be surprised if um, if if United um, I don't given how Atletico are playing I don't think they'll beat them comfortably I don't I don't think it'll be a 2-0 or 3-0 but I do think that uh, Atletico could easily win and I believe that and, and, and United like, uh, likewise could win either and I, don't, I really don't know how it's going to go I'm gearing up for a long day Tuesday, not because of the scoreline or I think it'll be a beating uh, like it was in, in Turin a few years ago uh, when Atletico took a 2-0 lead to Juventus and it went disastrously. I'm preparing for a long day in that I think this could easily go to extra time, could easily go to penalties. These teams are, are pretty equal still and made more equal by Atletico's injury crisis. There could be up to eight players not available for this game Tuesday. Uh, Jeffrey Kadogbe is, is in a race against time to get fit. He is the priority for Atletico's medical staff. Uh, Jose Jimenez has a problem with his foot. There were conflicting reports in both Spanish papers this morning about whether he would play or whether he'd be out for three weeks. No one seems to to know. Daniel Voss could make the trip, but it's unlikely that he would start if he were to make the trip. Mateus Cunha is still out as well. Yannick Carrasco suspended. Tomale Ma is injured and going to be out till after the international break. So the injuries could make it a more an even more level playing field and these two teams could just go back and forth for 90 120 minutes i'm definitely gearing up for that because they're still to me they're still pretty equal and they still have similar strengths and weaknesses even though atletico have been playing a lot better uh, relative to their earlier season form in the past three weeks this is still really close to call i can definitely see this going on a long time and it really could go either way i agree with you yeah, and it depends how Ragnick sets up. He played at Matic tonight, and Matic definitely takes away the mobility and then the pressing and uh, from from United. Whereas someone like McTominay plays, so he's obviously way more aggressive or way gets around more and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But then, but he leaves United more open on on the counter and stuff. Um, or sorry, he leaves United more open. He's not the anchor that Matic is, but likewise, Matic doesn't uh, shields the defense better. And uh, that's actually a tweet I was reading. Uh, Keith Van Hemmen's tweet. He basically that's what he said, and it's it, it makes complete sense. And I was, I was watching some of the game tonight, and it, that's exactly what Matic does. He knits it together nicely. Whether or not Ragnick plays with that kind of a style, uh, could be the difference. Uh, uh, could be the difference maker on uh, during the week. Yeah, Matic came on in the first leg, and United started to play a lot better. They had a lot more balance and a lot more purpose. Uh, no Bruno Fernandez on uh, Saturday as he tested positive for COVID, which likely rules him out for Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure that's a really big loss, though. Uh, Bruno did not play well in the first leg. Neither did Pogba, who played all 90 minutes on Saturday. I wonder if that will inform the team selection for Tuesday. For Atletico, from the Rojiblanco point of view, having Kondogbia back, could be, literally could be the difference between 
advancing and going out at the last 16 for the second year in a row uh, and for the third time in four years. Uh, Gondogbia just offers something that literally no other midfielder in Atletico's squad does. And if he is there, it offers a lot more security and ball retention and even ball progression. Gondogbia is a really good passer too. In addition to his defensive qualities, his strength, his athleticism, his power. But if he's not there and Koke starts again, Oh boy, it could be, it could go swing completely in the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that that, that obviously will have a massive thing. There's nobody, like you said, in the squad like Kandabia Herrera kind of does a good uh, a good tribute act at times, but no, it doesn't, he doesn't really, doesn't really translate 100%, so uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether he makes it or not. Well, we're going to be here to talk about it no matter what happens, Robbie. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of Colt Chinero Chat. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Appreciate it. No worries at all. And we'll, yeah, we'll definitely catch you in midweek. Oh, yeah. We will be back to talk all about it. Man United and Atletico Madrid at Old Trafford. Game of the year. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> and we'll be back to talk all about it. Thank you all for listening to this edition of the program. You can... Follow us on Twitter at Into the Calderon and keep track of all our written content and audio content at IntoTheCalderon.com as well as Patreon.com slash Chat. You can also subscribe to the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network on Spotify to catch up with all new uh, episodes, all recent episodes you may have missed. And until next time, adios.